If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of In the Details with your host, moi, Karen Allen. I am so happy to be back with you again and very excited and grateful for this conversation that I'm about to have with a a new friend, a new soul sister, Alina Fernandez. Alina, thank you for being with me today. Hi. Hi, this is an honor and a privilege and just a pleasure to be here. Yes. Well, just so y'all know, Alina is a single mom, which I actually call us super moms. It's not even a single mom anymore. We are super moms. (laughs) (laughs) All moms are super moms. But if you are a single mom, you know what that means. You know the gravity it carries. But uh, Alina is a single mom, also an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker. And she has built this brand, this platform that it's amazing because she's used her own life experiences to help others develop the skills and the strategies and the steps for other moms so that they can find that peace so that they can, you know, maybe let go of unhealthy cycles, unlearn some things and feel whole so they can show up as their best for their kiddos. And anyone who knows me knows that that completely aligns with my life (laughs) mission. So this conversation is going to be great. I think a, a good place to start is giving our listeners some insight about your platform. You call yourself the positive mom. How did this all start? How did this come to be? Wow. That is a loaded question because, you know, it all started on the ground in the fetal position when I was feeling suicidal and feeling desperate. I had just become a single mom and I didn't even know that I could be a mom yet. I had all this, you know, as a new mom, you have all these doubts, you have all of these fears, you have all of these anxieties. And then I'm in a, you know, new position as a single mom and I don't have any money. And when I mean any money is zero dollars. I don't have a bank account. I don't have a car. I don't know how to drive. And to me, this was a foreign country. I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. Point A to point B, I couldn't come up with one. So I felt like a total failure and like I was completely hopeless. And so that's when an inspiration came to me, you know, with different images and different things that I had read and that I I had experienced that I could choose who to be. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my first to be list. Oh, pause, pause. <laughs> that is incredible. I have never heard that phrase like that before. We talk about who we want to be, but we're always talking about what we have to do. Instead, mm-hmm. not, oh, tell me more about this to be list. Well, the the first item on the list was to be positive, (laughs) which is the start of the seed that, you know, created this platform within, you know, just a few months from that, it became what we know right now as the positive mom. And yet, you know, that was a, a glance of possibility that I could do for myself that kept me alive in that moment. And, you know, I'm being really real because I think we all experience these moments of despair and what we do in that moment is not as important as who we choose to be in that moment. Absolutely. Well, this, this is, this is hitting deeper than I initially expected. I knew that we were going to have um, many similarities, but I don't think I recognized how similar our stories were going to be from the origin. Wow. Because I too, when I found myself as a single mom, widowed, my husband, unfortunately was killed. So it just happened very suddenly that I was all of a sudden, I'm sure it was sudden for you too, different details, Mm -hmm. but like nobody plans on being a single mom. If you're, you know, planning your life, you're not like, Oh, on my to-do list is to Mm -hmm. be a single parent. So Uh when we get these sudden changes, I too, in the fetal position, lying on the ground, Mm. feeling the weight of my grief, like I couldn't, you know, live anymore and not sure what to do. And I remember these three words came up so clear and I have goosebumps (laughs) 
which we like to call on this show truth bumps because it means that they're true. I have goosebumps listening to you because it reminded me of the three words when I, when I knew that I was at my lowest and I looked at my son and I realized I had a choice. It was Mm -hmm. the same moment of empowerment. You can choose Karen. You can choose how you're going to respond to this. And my words that helped me to pick myself back up were I want to be healthy, happy, and whole. Ooh. And it sounds like that was like your to be list, right? It's like, I didn't know I was doing your thing, but that was it. Oh my goodness. Yes. And let me just, you know, highlight for a second how strong you are. You too, mama. Oh my goodness. I am just in awe of your strength and, and how far you've come and, you know, just really honoring this moment of coming together with you because it is definitely just beautiful. And we're going to love on all of the single mamas, all of the super mamas out there right now Mm -hmm. who may be in that same position. And maybe you are wondering, what do I do from here? This is not how I plan my life. I don't even know how to take a first step. Please hear from two women who have lived it themselves and currently living that choice every single day. You can do it, mama. You can absolutely do it. But actually, maybe Alina, this is where we give a little bit of advice. So what did you do from that point? You know, you said you thought about the to-be list. The first Mm -hmm. thing was positive. What action did you put behind that? I love that you asked that because, you know, I think that the first thing that I did was right. And, Mm -hmm. And it's very intangible when we think about the word. But the word is the first manifestation of reality. So when we have a thought, you know, and we write it down, we're actually creating an action that is powerful enough to create momentum and to move energy in the right places so that then that gives us the next step. Because, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I am the type of person that I want to have a whole map figured out and all the steps and otherwise you know you feel like you're defeated or you're lost and you know I always say that our our soul is like a gps we only need to know where we're at and where we're going and then the steps are going to reveal themselves like when we're driving in the dark yes and so yes the first thing was you know to accept that possibility, Mm -hmm. then to write it down, I actually literally wrote my to be list. And it it sounds exactly like yours, you know, peaceful, patient, positive, present. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this one that's, you know, really gonna resonate with a lot of us. It's cycle breaker. Mm, To break the cycle. Oh, my goodness, there's so much There's so much power in that, but there is also a lot of weight to put on yourself. I mean, it sounds like you were already in a position where you were vulnerable. You did feel broken. You are broken. You were unsure. And yet you decided to take that on too, to break this. Talk about a powerful mama. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go girl. (laughs) So why was that so important? Why was that so important to you though? Well, you know, um, I'll tell you a little story. I'm a storyteller. That's like my main title in life. <laughs> <laughs> but before I tell you the story, I just want to say that, that the main tip for action that I can give any mom is to start writing things down because it is really powerful and it's going to get that idea flow started. And so when we're on the ground in the fetal position, ideas are not coming to us that are helpful or empowering. However, when we grab the pen or when we type on the computer, but I'm a pen kind of girl, (laughs) when we grab the pen, then the connection with our hand and our brain, you know, that somatic connection gets things started. And then it, it moves us to a different plane where those ideas then begin to flow. And you know, my main idea was to write this journey and to share it with others. And that's how I was going to break the cycle. So let me tell you the story. I was seven years old and my brother and I, you know, 
I, I, I live in a, in a very dysfunctional family. And we are also living in extreme poverty in a slum. And so right behind our little shack, there was a landfill where we went to have fun. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's a, it's a crazy contrast, but this was our fun place where we could find little toys and little trinkets. And, you know, it, it was very energizing for us when we had a break from all of our chores to go to this place and kind of be kids and embrace our adventure. And so I find this magazine and it's in a foreign language. I didn't even know it was English at that time, right? I had heard like, hello, goodbye, but I didn't even know what English looked like. And so I'm looking at this magazine, Karen, and there are these kids who are so happy and they have loving families. Like you could feel the love, you could feel the joy. It was so vibrant. It was so real. And of course, you know, they had stuff that I liked, like, you know, toys and <laughs> things. <laughs> it was the eighties, you know, so those, uh, like pre-washed jeans and those <laughs> really fancy sneakers. I was like, Whoa, man, I want to live like this. Yes. <laughs> And so in my innocent, you know, seven-year-old mind, I told my brother, you know what? In order to have this life, we need to learn this language. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know what just huge decision I was making for myself. Um, it took me four years to save up to enroll in classes, even though they were very inexpensive, you know, Pers the perspective if you think about it but I was you know a slum kid and so in for three years I went daily to learn this language so that my life would change and I could have this magazine life and it was the highlights magazine have you heard of that yeah, magazine? of course I mean, that's a staple in my childhood and my son's <laughs> now too <laughs> Well, it was my subscription because we we just devoured that landfill looking for that magazine every month. <laughs> and so, um, you know, what happened for me is that, you know, I grew up, well, kind of, I'm four nine, barely. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, then I lost hope and I was like, this was a lie. I don't even know you know, English did open a lot of doors for me, but I never felt that sense of wholeness that I was looking for in that magazine. So when I wrote my to-be list and had that glimpse of possibility, I thought, you know what? That vision was not for me. It was for my kids. Oh my goodness. Wow. And it is for the kids who it is for the kids in this planet that I can help if their moms can heal. Yeah. I mean, our listeners can't see me, but please know that the emotions that are coming out. Ooh. Yeah. That is incredible for you to have the foresight to recognize that children's lives could change, not because of what they have, but because of who is in their life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was so sacred for me because it was, you know, I already had a relationship with my mother by that point, but it was the first true seed of healing where I could see what being a defeated, suicidal mom, traumatized mom can, you know, really, you know, how that can translate into pain for a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So being positive, it wasn't about just pretending to be happy. Oh. It wasn't about ignoring my pain. It was about getting to the root 
of how I could heal, truly heal, so that I could truly be positive for my kids. Mm. So you can be a, a, a positive role model, a positive mm-hmm. influence. You know, nowadays there's a lot of judgment around toxic positivity. Yeah. And I recognize that because it it is about, I think that skew on life, it actually ignores very real human emotions that we Mm -hmm. go through almost, you know, encouraging you to stuff it down and to get over it, which we know that doesn't work. That only (laughs) perpetuates more hurt and more pain. Yeah. And what it sounds like you've done is you channeled that, although that is a word of today that hit you years ago Mm -hmm. and you channeled that. And it actually overflows into very specific ways of living specific ways that you're showing up for your children and for other moms. I mean, that is just incredible. Kudos to you. for Oh, thank you. Such a hardship. You're you're doing the same. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Because it takes an army. It takes an army. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with this platform, what are ways that you are helping other moms to acknowledge where they are? One thing I I teach a lot is about acceptance, because when we have Mm -hmm. to accept things, people uh, initially, and this was me too, for a very long time, I thought acceptance was like, oh, that means it's okay. That mean, mm. And and all of the craziness that I went through, I was like, I got to accept this because my initial mindset was that means that I'm justifying it and that's not mm. okay. What I recognized on my healing journey and came to accept was, <laughs> came to accept, uh, was that acceptance is really about acknowledging your starting point. Because from there, you bring yourself in a position of power to choose your next response. And so for those mamas who, you know, they know that they can choose differently. They know they can choose positively. Can you pull something from your own personal toolkit that helped you go from that space of deep grief and pain and being suicidal? And I know you said writing, which is a very good way to just channel all of your thoughts and really clear out some of the junk. You said a very good word to flow, right? So that we can flow. Yeah. Yeah. But There are also day-to-day habits that help us to change our mindset so that we can show up as that person consistently. What kind of habits did you adopt in your day early on that you can now share with other single super moms who are listening? (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, you know, one of the things that I always say, and I think for mom entrepreneurs especially, is to ditch the motivational guilt. And, and what that is, is, you know, pushing ourselves without grace. So having the opportunity to every day, because I've been writing a to be list every day since that day. And that was 18 years ago, in 2004. And writing my to be list every day helps me clear out some of those things that other people may expect me to do or to show up as or, you know, just to to ground myself on who I want to be that day, not only for my kids, but also for myself, because that journey evolved. And it all started for them and for the kids that I saw and that I connected to, but to ground myself in who I want to be, because that's going to help me set boundaries. And I think that's the first step to really heal. And to really show up as your best self is to know your boundaries. So when you have a very specific operating system, that's, you know, your to-be list on how you want to be, you're going to then prioritize Mm -hmm. what are the things that, you know, I want to do that are going to get me this outcome. And anything else that's not going to get me that outcome can, you know, wait. I always tell, you know, um, this joke <laughs> that, you know, if it's meant for me to do it, it's, it's going to happen before I die. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just sometimes the urgent can take away from the important things that show up as urgent. So being very clear on what you definitely want to do and having those boundaries to say no to the rest is going to clear things from your plate that are 
going to overwhelm you. And I think that's that's the main culprit of so much right now. It gives us anxiety. Then we are not able to fulfill those impossible standards that we set for ourselves. And then we feel defeated. And then that creates emotional burden that's going to prevent us from showing up as the patient and present and positive mom that we want to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that that practice of writing your to-be list in the morning. um, And also Dr. Jill Boltis, she's a neuroanatomist. She says it takes two minutes. Actually, she says take 90 seconds to process negative emotions Mm. and every morning and sometimes at night i try to spend two minutes thinking about something that happened that i can just study i call myself a study a student of pain Mm. and just thinking about that and thinking how I can learn from that and how I can find a gift in that mm-hmm. or just witness it for two minutes a day and just having that wellness practice because we talk about self-care a lot, but I think we don't talk about emotional self-care enough. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we need to have more of these conversations because all of these practices, you have to utilize specific tools and a tool could be sitting with hard emotions for 90 seconds, yeah. writing them down, looking for an opportunity to grow from it because it directly impacts not just your heart and how you feel, but I also study neuroplasticity. It impacts the neural pathways, your hard wiring, it rewires the trauma. It helps you to unlearn the things that are not serving your good or your growth. And it seems simple and maybe even oversimplified, but boy, is it impactful. I absolutely know that feeling. That's a great piece of advice. And what you said about healthy boundaries is so important because we could get clear on who we want to be, but then we don't protect that. Yeah. I think the healthy boundaries, it does give you a really clear lens to prioritize things, but it also helps you to see the things that you need to protect. Yeah, absolutely. What's really meaningful, what truly matters and what aligns with your purpose. And I think that's a good question to ask yourself is, does it align with my purpose? Whenever you're faced with a choice or an opportunity or maybe an offer or an invitation, just thinking, you know, is this going to add or take away from the purpose that I have set for myself and for my family or for my business? Yes. Oh, what a great point. Alina, you know, I know from, from my uh, busyness, whether it is wearing the hat of a business owner, being a single mom, trying to, you know, help my kid have a full rich life, which also includes a ton of extracurricular activities, but not too many. Cause I have healthy boundaries too, <laughs> <laughs> but, but part of my personal dilemma that I've, that I've learned about myself is I enjoy, I mean, I really love my work so much that it doesn't feel like work and I feel blessed I know that that's a privilege. Not everybody has that, but I found that because I love my work so much, and I also love being a mom that I'm constantly putting out. And I almost, I would say I psyched myself out, but maybe I just didn't realize that maybe I took for granted. I thought that because I felt so connected to my work, that it was also pouring back into me. And it does, it does. I'm not saying it doesn't at all, but there's still a ton of energy output with any work that you do, whether you're passionate about it or not. And so I started to hit this point and I was a few years, few years into this when I realized, man, Karen, you're not even really carving out your own pockets of peace. You're not protecting your happiness in the same way that you're prioritizing Caleb's happiness. Mm -hmm. What do you do as a go-getter and a business mom and a single mom of four? How do you carve out that time for that self-care that we were just talking about? Well, you know, I, it's interesting that you ask because I just recently, I published a poetry book and that book is very meaningful to me because I loved poetry as a child. 
And it was not something that was encouraged. I mean, my surrounding wasn't to, you know, to be an artist. It wasn't a worthy goal or to be a writer or to be a storyteller. But that's something that I knew that my inner child needed. And so I don't know if our audience is familiar with inner child work, but one of the things that I love about being a mom is that I can be playful and I can be present with my kids while healing my own inner child. And so, you know, where it's tempting, like we're in the park or at the park, we're at the park and we're on our phone and the notification and the feed. However, just to be present in the moment, get in the swing, you know, play, get on the, uh, I am little, so I can fit through any nook and cranny, but whatever you can do, go on the monkey bars or something that is playful. And that's a win-win because that's something that we can do with them. It energizes them and it doesn't take extra time from from our agenda because we're already planning to take him to the park or to, you know, go outside with them. And, you know, I love hula hooping. (laughs) You know, so that's one that's one tip that I think works for anyone. Um, I also think that coloring with our kids, Mm -hmm. there are so many coloring books for adults I actually published a few of them and it is so energizing it helps us work on that inner child and it the kids love it so that's one thing another thing that I used to do when Alicia and Alyssa were one and two because they were like Irish twins and I was a single mom so you can't imagine and I I had no breaks but when I went to the bathroom I would close my eyes and take a vacation. And it was an imaginary vacation. (laughs) Yes. And so just visualizing that I was in a different spot, you know, because I couldn't take vacations. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the possibility. However, our mind is so powerful that even the vividly imagined images and emotions that go along with it can really calm our nervous system and and really give us a a sense of gratification that will energize our day. So those are two things, you know, what did you love to do as a child? Like that's what poetry is for me, that you love to do that you could try once more, that you could be silly with, that you could definitely take just a few minutes every day. It doesn't have to be three hours. it doesn't have to be serious, you know, intentionally write back poetry or color outside the lines. It doesn't have to have any rules, just something that you do for yourself that's silly and fun and play with your kids. Imagine, use the gift and faculty of your imagination. And again, you know, just really connect with the things that are fun that are not going to take a long time. So that's, that's my best tip because it doesn't cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It really is something that is built in your day. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's just really simple. It is. And it's, it really is about being more intentional. You know, yeah. same thing. I did not have extra money. I wasn't even like getting vitamins for myself. That's how tight money was. Right. And yeah. so we have to find creative ways, especially when you're balancing so much and the funds are tight. Your self-care may not look like going to get a massage. It may not look like going on a vacation, mm-hmm. but I started laughing when you said the swing, because I had a moment a few years ago and we were at a park and Caleb said, mommy, get on the swing with me. And at that point I hadn't been on a swing in years. Wow. I got on that swing and I just started swinging and I don't know what it was. It was like a burst of endorphins and serotonin and dopamine (laughs) because I started laughing uncontrollably (laughs) because it felt so good. And I just thought to myself, why haven't I been on a swing in my adult life? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so joyful. 
It is. And to go a little bit deeper to unpack that point of like using your mind for visualization is, is really impactful for the brain. I learned this in my own studies that our brain doesn't know the difference between uh, something that is real and something that is imagined. And a quick like breakdown of that is if there's a line in front of you, then your brain is going to be stressed. It's going to feel stressed because it wants to protect you. But if that thing that's in front of you is fear or doubt or overwhelm, or you're replaying an argument in your head, because that is the focal point of your attention, it's sending off the same signals as if there's a threat, like a lion in the room with you. Yeah. And that doesn't just work for the negative. It actually works for the positive too. You heard Mm -hmm. Alina. She said she took herself on vacation (laughs) on a bathroom break. (laughs) And that is possible. Any little moment that you have, whether you are you know, sitting in the car and your kids are out on the field or you just drop them off somewhere or you're in the shower and the shower is a great Mm -hmm. place where I just do like a little stretch and I take my mind to a calm space. You are now firing off the chemicals and hormones that your brain needs to make positive changes. And to sum it all up, you gave us really actionable steps that do not take time out of our day or money out of our wallet. Yeah. That is how simple it is to integrate your wellness into your day, no matter how busy you are. Thank you. Those were great thoughts. I'm going to give you, now I feel like I have to give you harder questions, but. <laughs> well, I, I want to just piggyback real quickly in what, into what you said, because those little moments are what make our life. And just like you said, the shower, I like to have these rituals that if I'm brushing my teeth, I could say, you know, I'm brushing off negativity. I'm, you know, you know, scrubbing off toxic positivity, you know, and basically just, you know, when you're washing dishes, when you're anything that you're doing, you could find something that associates those words and those feelings and those emotions so that you can make it about the intention of healing that you have in your life. Yes. And releasing those things. That's the biggest thing. We're going to feel all of that, but you have to be intentional about releasing them too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So on that same vein of releasing things, we're going to have a real mom moment here. Yeah. It's cool being a mom. We love our kids. It's great. (laughs) It's fun. I love being a mom too. I really, truly do. You know how sometimes they ask that question, like, what would you tell your younger self? In my mind, I'm just teaching my son all of the things I wish I told my younger <laughs> self, right? And, and this, there's yeah. a joy with that. But we know that we don't love every single part about being a mom. There are hard things that we have to go through. And it's not that we necessarily dislike it. It's just that not everything is easy. There are hard parts about being a parent, not just a mom, a parent. So yeah. how do you get through those tough mom moments? That's such a great question because, you know, one of the hardest things about being a mom is being triggered by your children. Oh, can I tell you, I just had a guest on a couple of weeks ago. And when I said the word triggered, she gave me a new word. So I'm going to share this with you too. (laughs) Yeah. Something is awakened inside of you. Mm, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it trans, it transforms, you know, one of the, the, best quotes that I I love to say is pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Mm -hmm. So whenever I feel something because of what my kids are doing, and it really, it something comes up that I, I know, I don't want to feel. I try to say, how can I transform this? And so the hardest part of being a mom are for me to recognize that I'm not always this wise adult that has it all together. And that sometimes I react like that two-year-old, that five-year-old that is just sad or angry or really, really alone. Yeah. And so... I think that the way that I handle that is by being my own child, Mm. being my own child and treating myself like I would treat my own child. You know, when I have a tantrum, Mm -hmm. 
rather than beating myself up and saying, you know, you're horrible, you can't do it right, you know, which is what comes to my mind is, you know, if I were my own two-year-old, what would I say to myself? I would say, it's okay, honey. It's a, it's a really hard day that you're going through. And so I really think that everything about motherhood is hard <laughs> <laughs> unless unless you intentionally make it fun yeah, yeah. and unless you intentionally think about it in a different way because you know i remember you know being little and thinking i'm never gonna be a mom this is mm -hmm. too hard i don't want to hurt my children and i don't know how to do it mm. and it seems like People are really miserable and want to hurt others when they're moms. That's, that was my only experience. And so for me to say, you know, I'm changing a diaper and this is a privilege because I get to nurture my baby, but it's, it stinks. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's a great real. example. <laughs> so, so everything about motherhood is how you intentionally choose to look at it from a different perspective because you're focused on the outcome mm -hmm. but everything about it is hard mm -hmm. you know and and some things can come naturally like you know i was able i'm still breastfeeding my almost three-year-old she's 31 mm -hmm. <laughs> months mm -hmm. and for some people that is so hard and it's so traumatic and it's such a hard experience and difficult journey and yet i struggle with other things but I think, you know, just understanding that it's a hard journey and just thinking that every mom is fighting a battle that we know nothing about mm -hmm. helps us be more compassionate of ourselves and of others. Mm -hmm. And so how do I handle it every single day? Because every day is hard yes. with compassion, but first with compassion for myself compassion with that little one inside of me that gets awakened like you said and how to transform that so that I don't transmit that pain mm -hmm. to other people or to myself so mm -hmm. I'm not beating myself up I'm not being hurtful to anyone else mm -hmm. and that means releasing the judgment treating myself with compassion and grace so that I can then extend that to my kids and to everyone around me. Yes. I have a, a great, um, meditator who I, I follow, uh, Jeff Warren, he's phenomenal. And one of the things that I learned through a, a lesson that he taught is how you talk to yourself directly translates to how you talk to the rest of the world. Mm. And one of the reasons that this, I think, landed so much with me is because I recognize that the inner chatter for all of us is nonstop. And if we're, if all that we are hearing inside of our head is negativity and you're not good enough, you know, the inner critic or the gremlin, as we like to call it in our house, <laughs> if you hear that constantly, then it's, it's almost an autopilot response. You know, what comes yeah. out, what flo flows out of your mouth and while I too am, am on the healing journey, we all are, uh, he said something, he said, so when you talk to yourself, you just say, Hey, little human, it's okay. Yeah. I know you're trying in there. And the way that I talk to myself has changed how I talk to my son. Mm -hmm. And because I say that to myself, it showed me a new way of viewing my son instead yeah. of, uh, for example, we have to teach our kids everything, right? We have to, yeah. I remember the moment that I showed my son how to load the dishwasher. And when I pulled the dishwasher down and pulled out the rack, his jaw hit the ground. He was like, oh my gosh, that's how it happens. <laughs> and I remind myself of that often because just like that moment was a new experience to him and he mm -hmm. had new knowledge, that is almost every single single day for kids. Yeah. They're learning how to do chores. They're learning how to manage emotions. They're learning how yeah. to respect people. They're learning how to respect themselves, how to speak up for themselves. And when we lose our patience with our kids, 
most often it's not because of the thing that happened in that moment. It's because of all of the energy that we've spent trying to trying to keep it up uh, together until yeah. that moment where we just have no more patience left. Yeah. And, and yeah. so I tried to project, as you just said, perfectly, like the, the same compassion that I give myself, it's now easier to Mm -hmm. transfer that to my son, because I am reminded that as I am still learning and unlearning, so is he, and he is a new human to this world. Yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And And you know, what you're saying reminded me of Wayne Dyer and an analogy that he had that was so good for me to explain this to myself. (laughs) Um, because when we're thinking about who we want to be, um, let's say I am an orange and he said, what do you get if we squeeze an orange, orange Orange juice, juice, right? So if we decide to be a patient mom, then when we get squeezed, we get patient still because what's inside comes out. Yeah, exactly. But if I don't intentionally decide who I'm going to be, who knows what's going to happen when we get squeezed, when the pressure gets going. And that's our true self, whatever happens. And that's not to say that we don't deserve self-forgiveness because we do. We absolutely do. You know, our mistakes and mistakes are just takes that we miss. There are many more takes that we can have. So Definitely, but doing better because we know better and making progress and just being more intentional and more purposeful in the ways that we're showing up. Mm-hmm. And I realized, and I think what is even uh, a next level of impact is that as we are learning, if we share what our, what we're learning with our kids then they don't see us as this um, idol, this like perfect person who has it all together, but instead they see the human in us and then they give themselves to be uh, permission to be human too. And uh-huh. an example of this is when one time I was about to lose my cool and <laughs> I, in my mind, this is like, I'm being really vulnerable. Do not judge me. Any listener here, this is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> so you can reserve that for somewhere else. But <laughs> in my mind, I was so upset at something that was trivial, but I, I was already in an emotional state that was heightened that yeah. I imagined myself flipping over the table, like legit yeah food flying everywhere, dishes going there. I could see it. I could visualize it. And yeah. in that moment, I said to Caleb, I said, I am feeling so many emotions that it feels like it's going to burst out from inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I really want to flip this table over. Like I just saw myself flip, and I told him what was going on in my head. Yeah. I said, but do you notice how I am still maintaining a space for both of us to talk through this because I don't want that to be my actions. I'm feeling it. And it feels very, very real to me. And I explained it to him because I wanted him to know that he's going to have those moments where he's Uh going to feel so overwhelmed by emotion, but he can position himself in a place of control with, you know, self-control so that he can choose how he's going to show up for himself for the other person. And I I noticed in that moment, something about my son, like it was almost like something clicked. It was like a gear clicked for him, you know, that, and this happens often in our, in our growth moments, because we'll talk through it. And and I do want to give him as much information without like giving him too much information. And I found that a nice middle space to do that is just by sharing my own realities and my own stories and experiences Mm -hmm. of, being a human with really yeah. complex emotions. Oh, I love you so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about, you know, and that I talk most about in my platform is being a real mom. Because I always learned, you know, that in order for me to be a good mom, and I don't know where I got it, but you know how we get these false beliefs and this misinformation that I had to be strong for my kids. And, and strong always, always, yeah, always, always strong. That was my identity. I was going to be strong. And that's n- not helpful. 
you know, I remember Alicia, my oldest, she was bullied. And this is the reason why we started homeschooling, you know, many years ago. Uh, she's now graduated and she's oh, in college. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so she graduated homeschool, but she was in the private school and she was bullied terribly. And I remember that she told me a few months ago, she says, you know, mom, that changed the trajectory of my life. And it wasn't because you started homeschooling. It was because you fell apart with me. Oh, my gosh. And we were able to build ourselves back up together. What a wise young woman you have there. Oh. Intuitive that is for her to know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She said, you know, from that moment, I didn't have to ever show up a facade that I, that I had, you know, that I was always happy and that I was always okay. And I felt like you gave me permission to just be how I was and to feel what I was feeling. And I think that's so rich what you're doing with your son and showing him the the map of how a human navigates mm -hmm. difficult situations and still has a sense of charge of how they're managing their emotions because you know the emotions are going to show up mm -hmm. and that's nothing, girl. Like if I start talking about the things that I have imagined. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, trust me. I mean, I have like taken my car through a wall. I have like done all sorts of stuff. I have punched somebody in the throat more than a handful of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we all, we're all going to have those moments and it's definitely the self-regulation, how we cope and how we decide to show up with compassion for ourselves, knowing that that is okay, letting our kids know that that is okay, you know, and especially when there's, you know, a moment I've been through very traumatic experiences and my children have, you know, seen it right along with me and letting them know, you know, I'm going through PTSD. I am experiencing depression right now. I need therapy. I am going to take a moment to lock myself in my room. This is what's happening, you know, and it's it's not our current situation, but it has happened. And yeah, it will sound differently with the little ones than with the teenagers, because I have all kinds of ages. I have 19, 18, 8, and 2. So... <laughs> So you, so that's a good point though, is when you are teaching your kids, you have to meet them where they are. That doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to give the same information to a two-year-old as you would an 18-year-old. No, no, absolutely not. It, it's definitely child appropriate and, and listening to what's going to be helpful, not hurtful. Yes. So what's going to help, you know, it's coming from, I need my space right now because my thoughts and my emotions are too intense for me to handle anything. And so how do I communicate this in a loving way that is clear, but is also compassionate and to and mindful to the level of understanding of this child? Are they going to be terrorized because I share this with them? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be, you know, imagining their own story or are they just going to understand that you know mom needs a timeout or a break mm -hmm. or mommy has to go bye-bye however you have to say it mm -hmm. however do do take that time for yourself mm -hmm. and do take those steps that are going to help you heal and move forward because just like an emotional wound when well, just like a physical wound when we have an emotional wound we need recovery and that recovery time looks different from for depending on the injury and depending on how wounded we've been in the past. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So being honest with your kids about your healing journey, your growth journey, you know, being in a, a positive example for them of how you handle emotions that does take transparency and vulnerability. And even being an example to them of like, how do you say sorry when you mess up? I mean, all of these things, mm -hmm. you know, if you are trying to be a better person, know that you are in a perfect position to pass down this growth and this healing and this wisdom to not just your child, but to any child who's watching you, that that's a ripple effect 
that I want to be a part of, right? Yeah, that's how we break the cycle. Absolutely. And you know, one one thing that I, I I've taught my children over the years is that usually any unskilled reaction that I have comes from fear. And to, you know, for them to be compassionate of me as well. Like, you know, if if somebody I think they're gonna fall from the playground, I'm gonna scream like like you said, like there's a tiger. and it's because and I say you know mom wasn't skilled because she was in fear what I saw was broken bones and you know blood and guts right this is what I saw when I screamed that way I didn't see you having fun and having the time of your life I didn't see your friend looking at you that and I didn't think you might be embarrassed what I saw was this and that helps them understand your reaction. Where did it come from? And your mommy loves you. She doesn't want you to get hurt. And she saw you getting hurt because mommy has this crazy mind. And yeah. you're going to definitely, you know, have that monkey mind sometimes. Your yeah. mind is going to show you uh, the, like, I, I think I, I think it was actually the Dalai Lama that said that worry is praying for what we don't want. And so sometimes we have these worries and this catastrophe that we see. Mm -hmm. And usually when we're in the past or in the future, it's never a helpful, Mm -hmm. a helpful uh, place to be. Mm -hmm. We always stuck in those images and those images cause uncertainty and also resentment. But when we're in the present and we're saying, oh, my child is having fun, they're just being who they are, they're, you know, they're safe, but that's not always how we see and the reaction is going to look differently. And, and it might be scary. I mean, when I, you know, I'm little, but when I scream like that, <laughs> you grow two or three feet. You? I, I know it, Mama, because the mama bear doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, we do not play. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a mama bear. I, I'll tell you. And as much as we share those real moments with our children, it really does help them to develop their own skills, and it's it's cultivated in a safe place. With, yeah. with their parent, who they know is going to be right by their side the entire way. I love everything that you're doing. Alina, thank you so much for being with me today. This was such a fun conversation. (laughs) I hope moms and dads listen to this. I know that they will. I know they will. Uh, Thank you so much. Where can people connect with you and and even get your book of poetry? Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, I'm really honored to be here and have this conversation with you. It was like having, you know, just hot chocolate (laughs) together. And uh, yes, I'm at thepositivemom.com. That's my blog. And uh, I'm at the Positive Mom everywhere online. And my book is on Amazon. It's called Dancing with Death. And it's Reflections of a Student of Pain. Oh, thank you yeah. so much for, for choosing to be everything that you are today because it's not just going to impact your children it's going to impact the lives of so many through you sharing your wisdom and from other people living out the example that you've been able to show for them so thank you for being all of you oh thank you for who you are this has been in the details if you like the show tell a friend for more shows like this go to success.com podcast 